Welcome to this podcast of the Sunday Message from Hope Gateway, a United Methodist community in Portland, Maine. If you live locally, we'd love to have you join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Visit our website at www.hopegateway.com to learn more. But whether you live near or far, we hope you find this message to be meaningful. Wherever you are, join us in doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God. Last week, Nathan introduced our series, David, Not Your Storybook Hero. And as the series goes on, the title's going to make even more and more sense to you. Uh, But I want to build today on what Nathan started us on uh, last week. So first, let me explain to you how I approach biblical stories like this one. The Bible is a rich book written and compiled over centuries. It contains many different types of literature, uh, histories, prophecies, poems, stories, letters, gospels, apocryphal writings. It was written in a particular time to particular people, but a part of its power is that it speaks to people across the ages. God speaks to us through this book. If taken seriously and respectfully, the Bible changes us. It changes us. But to take it seriously and respectfully means to honor the different types of literature while listening carefully for the truths they reveal. It also means paying attention to our own assumptions as we seek to understand and respect the particular time, culture, and people for which the different books were written. Respecting the Bible, for me, also means considering the kinds of questions we ask of particular passages. It's not helpful to seek scientific answers from a poem about the nature of God's love. Poetry contains truths, but in a different way than scientific treaties. In the same way, treating the story of David and Goliath like we would a history book misses the point and many of the truths it offers. Rather than asking, rather, rather than take an ancient story and ask 21st century perspective, factual questions, I find it more fruitful to listen to the story and ask what it might be telling me about God, about human beings, about the nature of the relationship between God and humans. When I was a teenager and probably beyond those years, I was troubled by some of the Bible stories and the Bible characters. I looked for moral examples displayed by the heroes, and the moral lesson of the story. Frankly, often this left me confused and sometimes more than a little bit disturbed. The heroes did not always behave in exemplary ways. They were, they were uh, 
there was not always a clear and right and wrong. The, sometimes it was just messy. Sometimes they behaved in ways that to my understanding was immoral. Sometimes heroes did despicable things. I've learned that I was bringing questions to the story that they were, that they were not answering. Much like if I asked an algebra question of the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, teaches us powerful truths about God, but not a whole lot about algebra. <laughs> really, yeah. <laughs> By not respecting the stories as stories, I was missing many of the truths they had to offer. So for the next few minutes, I invite you to hear this familiar story as a story. To listen and engage it while setting aside a quest for moral examples and any single meaning. Let's enjoy the story and then see what questions it might offer for our considerations. So let me set the scene about David. David is the youngest son of Jesse. And Jesse is the grandson of Ruth and Boaz, which is another really neat story, probably PG-rated story, in another book, Ruth, which we're not going to cover today, but if you want to learn more, go read the book of Ruth. It's a great story. David has seven brothers and two sisters, and he's the youngest of the brothers. As the youngest, he's given the task to watch the family sheep. The sheep are one measure of the family's wealth, an important source of food and clothing and income. So while it's a seemingly a simple task, it's not unimportant, though it is a task usually delegated to the younger members of the family. And sometimes older siblings might look on with a little bit of disdain, scorn. As Nathan mentioned last week, it's in the bush, it's in the fields with the sheep that David gets his education and nurtures his deep faith in God. It is his classroom. It's while watching sheep that his courage is developed and his skills at protecting the flock are honed. And that's going to come back for us later in the story. It's really important. Nathan also reminded us of David's position in the family. Remember, there's a scene that Nathan brought to us last week where Samuel, the prophet of God, has been informed by God that he's to anoint a new king, and it's going to be one of the sons of Jesse. So when he calls Jesse to bring his sons to come, well, Jesse leaves David behind. He forgets him. He's considered irrelevant, but we know, it turns out, David is the one Samuel has come to anoint as the future king. Now, in, in today's story, the army of Israel, led by King Saul, is stationed on a hill overlooking the Elah Valley. The army of the Philistines is on another hill across from them. During this time period, the Israelites and the Philistines were in frequent conflict and David's three older brothers are in the army. For 40 days, now 40 days is a code language for a long time. 
for uh, 40 days, for a long time, Goliath comes out and challenges the Israelites to send out a champion to battle him. And so we're going to pick up the story here from 1 Samuel 17. A champion named Goliath from Gath came out from the Philistine camp. He was more than nine feet tall. He could dunk a basketball without with just lifting the ball over his head. <laughs> That's not in there, but you know. You know <laughs> he had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore scale armor weighing 125 pounds. He had bronze plates on his, skin, his shins, and a bronze scimitar hung on his back. His spear shaft was as strong as the bar on a weaver's loom, and its iron head weighed 15 pounds. His shield bearer walked in front of him. He stopped and shouted to the Israelite troops, Why have you come and taken up battle formation? I am the Philistine champion, and you are Saul's servants. Isn't that right? Select one of your men, and let him come down against me. If he's able to fight me and kill me, then we'll become your slaves. But if I overcome him and kill him, then you will become our slaves, and you will serve us. I insult Israel's troops today. The Philistine continued... Give me an opponent, and we'll fight. When Saul and all Israel heard what the Philistines said, they were distressed and terrified. So, back at home, Jesse, David's father, is anxious for word about how his three sons in the army are doing. So, he decides to send David to check on things. And he's a really smart guy, so he sends food. You know, everybody off at camp wants food. Uh, he sends food, but he's even smarter because he sends special food for the officers over his sons. So he's a smart guy. So he sends David, and, and David arrives just in time to hear the daily challenge from Goliath. So he asks the nearby soldiers as he arrives on the scene, he says, uh, who does this worthless Philistine think he is? He's making fun of the army of the living God. Now, I'm not sure how the soldiers took his questions. Remember, they have been afraid of Goliath for a long time. And here's this kid who's asking a question that, you know, if you took it one way, he might be saying, why are you so afraid, you wussies? <laughs> That's not in there, but I have a feeling some version of that is what they may have been thinking. Well, his brothers hear about his questions as well. And David finds them, and he greets them. Uh, he finds his brothers who greet him in the time-honored way of older brothers to their younger, annoying siblings who ask embarrassing questions. What are you doing here anyway? 
Who's taking care of that little flock of sheep out in the desert? You spoiled brat. You came here just to watch the fighting, didn't you? Does that sound familiar? <laughs> yeah. Well, David, not, you know, David is also following the tradition and gives a traditional response. Now what have I done? Can't I even ask a question? Yeah. So it's the wonders of sibling love. <laughs> now I want to pause for a moment and consider the gifts of youth. Untainted by much of life and responsibility, about too much of life and responsibility, they often cut to the heart of an issue and often see possibilities where us older folks only see impossibilities. They do not know that something can't be done. They'll often rise to a challenge and do remarkable things. This is the case with David. He sees the challenge of Goliath as an affront to God. He has such a strong and uncomplicated faith as to trust that God, that with God all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Well, word reaches Saul that this young man is asking these questions, and David is brought to him, and David offers to fight Goliath. And we pick the story back up in the 32nd verse of 1 Samuel. Don't let anyone lose courage because of this Philistine, David told Saul. I your servant will go out and fight him. You can't go and fight this Philistine, Saul answered David. You are still a boy, but he's been a warrior since he was a boy. Your servant has kept his father's sheep, David replied to Saul, and if ever a lion or a bear came and carried off one of the flock, I would go after it, strike it, and rescue the animal from its mouth. If it turned on me, I would grab it by its jaw, strike it, and kill it. Your servant has fought lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them because he has insulted the army of the living God. The Lord, David added, who rescued me from the power of both lions and bears will rescue me from the power of this Philistine. Go, Saul replied. I'm not really sure how he said that go. Was it, <laughs> was it go or was it okay, go? <laughs> Saul replied to him, and may the Lord be with you. Now, I love this next scene. Erica started this on the scene. Imagine. Now, Saul was a big guy. It tells us in the Bible he stood above the people around him. So he was a big guy. So it doesn't matter if David is a youth youth or a, you know, a strapping young man. He's still not as big as Saul. So you can see that. How he, but Saul decides he needs some protection if he's going to go out and fight him. And so he gives him his armor. And you can imagine how that might have fit. You know, there's this image of the helmet coming down over his eyes. And, you know, he's, he's, he's in this armor, and it's so big, and it's so heavy that he, 
He says, I can't walk. I, I, it's because I've never worn armor before. So David ditches the armor and goes with what he knows. A staff, a sling, and five smooth rocks that he's picked up from the riverbed. And he goes to meet Goliath. Now, that's not exactly an overwhelming arsenal <laughs> against this giant. So now we can imagine them coming together on the field between the armies. There's the armies on each side looking down. There's Goliath, who's been scaring the bejeevers out of the Israelites for a long time. And here comes David. David in his shepherd clothes, armed with a staff, a sling, and five stones to face Goliath, armed to the teeth and knowing how to use it. So again, picking up from 1 Samuel 17. Well, I need to tell you this to set this up. You see, because here's what happens, and this happens, I don't know about battlegrounds, but it happens on playgrounds all the time. Because when they come together for battle, they start, start talking smack. <laughs> when the Philistine looked David over, he sneered at David because he was just a boy. Reddish brown and good looking. I don't really know why the Bible tells us he's good looking, but <laughs> he's good looking. We'll know, well, actually, that'll, take, that'll be for a future story, I think. The Philistine asked David, Am I some sort of dog that you come at me with sticks? And he cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said to David, and I'll feed your flesh to the wild animals and the wild birds. But David told the Philistine, You are coming against me with a sword, spear, and scimitar. But I come against you in the name of the Lord of the heavenly forces, the God of Israel's army, the one you've insulted. Today, the Lord will hand you over to me. I will strike you down and cut off your head. Today, I will feed your dead body and the dead bodies of the entire Philistine camp to the wild birds and the wild animals. Then the whole world will know that there is a God on Israel's side. And all those gathered here will know that the Lord does, doesn't save by means of sword and spear. The Lord owns this war, and he will hand all of you over to us. Clearly, David is not going to be outdone by the Philistine in smack-talking. <laughs> Now, we all know what happens. David, with his long-range weapon, the use of which he's quite proficient at, you know, the slings in those times was like a pouch held by two thongs, and they would sling it around and really get it going and then let go of one of the strings, and it would fire out. Well, David, with his long-range weapon, uses this, the use of which he's quite proficient, slings a stone with deadly accuracy and hits Goliath in the forehead, felling him. He then cuts off David's, Goliath's head and shows it to both armies, which caused the Philistines to panic and the Israelites to charge. Later, David keeps Goliath's weapons and takes his head to Jerusalem. 
what? I don't know why he does that either, but, <laughs> but he does it. What, <laughs> what a story. It's, a, it's one of faith and courage in the face of overwhelming odds. Is there a time in your life when you faced an overwhelming task, insurmountable odds? This story reminds us that with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. It is a story of how God uses someone who appears unqualified, too young, not an experienced soldier, to accomplish God's work. Have you ever felt unqualified? Not good enough to do God's work? I know I have. What are the Goliaths? in our lives. How does God wish to use you and me as we are to participate in God's work in our own families, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our world? I think this is one of the powerful questions the story asks of us. As we engage the question we encounter God at work in us, through us, and with us. I invite you to make it the question you ponder this week. How does God wish for you and me, as we are, to participate in God's work in our own families and in our neighborhoods and community and world? Carry it with you. Reflect on it in quiet moments. Offer it to God in your times of prayer. Listen and look for God's response. And remember, the shepherd boy and the faith, and the faith that gave him the strength and courage to do the impossible. For with God, all things are possible. Amen. Amen.